We play and call it work. Hey everybody, Matthew here from MiniWarGaming.com and welcome to this week's Sit and Talk. Now I gotta warn you first off, we may be having some internet problems, so if there are some droppages, then please just put it in the chat if you're watching this live. If you're not watching this live, then we already know. We get it. It's annoying. We're looking into it, but it looks like there's some internet issues, so I apologize if that interrupts your enjoyment of this week's Sit and Talk. So I am Matthew. I'll be your host today. If you are new to this show, this is a show where we basically just answer your questions. Uh, you can ask questions one of two ways. You can join us live on the Sit and Talks every week where we rotate who is going to be answering the questions. Next week is Josh, right? Yep, I never remember. This time I was like, I always don't remember. And then I always say Josh, so I believe it's Josh. So if you want to leave questions for him, then either join us next week on Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern Time, or you can leave a comment on our website when this po video is posted. So don't leave a comment on YouTube, leave it on our website, and we'll do a combination of answering questions for those who are watching live and those on our website. And it can be about anything. And we can choose not to answer it, of course, but ask away. Personal questions, business questions, wargaming questions, doesn't matter. If you're watching this live, I've already opened up the, um, the queue. So the way that you can ask a question is in chat, put exclamation mark ask, and then space, and then whatever you want. Try to not make it too long because for some reason the Streamlabs chatbot likes to cut things off. So let me just make sure everything is up and working. And of course, a big shout out to everybody that is subscribing to our Twitch because uh, that definitely helps to support us going forward with our live shows and things like this. So, so yeah, so make sure exclamation mark ask, space, and then you put in a question. And I believe it is already open. It is, uh, yep, perfect. So I'll start off as our people kind of get warmed up on our live show. We got to, of course, start off with uh, Zergalurgadurg, who posted, oh, just 15 minutes ago, literally posted his, his comment. Did he wait until 15 minutes it before? Seems like he likes to drop it, yeah, like half yeah. an hour before the show. Yeah, 15 minutes ago. Good morning, Terra. Welcome to all our friends and enemies. You know who you are. To Thracian Primaris' second most listened show, just behind his holy hum. <laughs> A live audio feed from the Golden Throne itself. We are coming to you live this week from the highly secure mini working bunker, and we are joined today by the Master of Monsters, the Machiavellian maestro of mini wargaming. Let's give a massive melodious welcome to Matthew. This episode of Good Morning Terror is brought to you by the monstrous people at the realm of Gur. Tired of the dreary, depressing dankness of Shaish? Are the bright lights and bustling crowds of Azir too much for you? Do you just want to get out of the iron reign of, of Shaman? Then what you need is a trip to the wild side in the realm of Gur. The towering forests and homicidal wildlife are just a thing you need to forget about anything other than your imminent disembowelment. Hear that? That's the call of adventure. That's the call of the wild. That's pure Gur. Plan your trip today at your local realm gate. <laughs> ah, I love you, Zergalurgadurg. Well, Matthew, we've got quite the show ahead of us, so let's not waste any more time. So are you supposed to be reading these, Colin? Is that the idea? No. No? Okay. Because just, you know. First off, your last couple of narrative campaigns were great and a ton of fun to watch. Do you, as a GM, prefer to do the smaller scale Death Watch style campaigns or the bigger ones like Dragon Tooth Labyrinth? 
Um, that's a good question, Zergler and Derek. I like them both for different reasons. I like the smaller scale ones because uh, it lets you get a little more intimate with the characters. It lets you have more um, crunchy rules for the upgrades for the characters. So, and then you feel more of a loss when they die. But uh, every once in a while, it's nice to do one like the Dragontooth Labyrinth, where it's army on army. As a games master, they're easier when it's the bigger scale ones, even though they take a little longer to film. Uh, they're easier to do because the balance is a little easier to achieve. When you know you're playing a 1,500-point game, you put 1,500 points on your side, and most likely balance is closer. Whereas when you're playing with five heroes that have made-up rules, and you've never played with them before, you have no idea what balance looks like, so you have to kind of just put stuff on the table a little bit by a little bit and hope that you don't overdo it or underdo it. So there's a lot more mental exertion as the game's master, but at the same time, it does produce a lot more memorable characters. So they're both fun in their own way. I'd say that the ones with just the squads are more work, but uh, can also provide, in my mind, better character development. But the larger scale ones, that's kind of what we started off with for quite a while. And uh, so they're fun as well. With that, if you made a Yogbeer and Tor style 40k campaign, what two models would you want to use? Schnoggle and Fud? <laughs> they actually would work quite well for that. The disease-ridden uh, beastman. And then the little, little squat, leaving them around. Uh, that could be fun. Schnoggle and Fud could be fun. Um, what two models? Ooh, sci-fi. I find if you, you'll notice that a lot of the characters I go for in the 40k ones are usually more things related to the Inquisition, because it's one of the few model ranges in 40k where there's more indi individualism to it. It's not just a, a guy from an army. It's uh, more like this is a character from a book. But having said that, with all the latest Blackstone Fortress and Necromunda. Uh, releases. There's a lot of potential in there for some other characters. Uh, you look at all the Forge World, Necromunda, Mercenaries. That's where we got a few of the characters for, for the um, Shattered Imperium. There's a lot of character with those, a lot of individualistic character. And the nice thing is, too, a lot of people probably have never seen those models. So to them, it just looks like something new. Um, and so that, that also is an advantage as well. Uh, Yogvir and Tor, the reason it works a little easier in Age of Sigmar is because it's more your classic fantasy tropes, where, you know, barbarian and an elf, they are a dwarven berserker and a human paladin. Like, they, because we're mixing the old Warhammer fantasy stuff in, the old Warhammer fantasy was basically your, don't get offended by this, but your more generic fantasy. Hey. 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 It's not a bad thing. I <laughs> no, love Dungeons and Dragons. Joking. Dungeons and Dragons. I, we play Dungeons and Dragons like crazy, and you don't get much more generic fantasy. Well, that's not true. They're not totally generic fantasy. Even they've strayed they, a little they, bit. They've gone. They, you know, they've even even the old Dungeons and Dragons always introduced the weird monsters and creatures, which I always thought were kind of dumb, but now I really like, like the beholders and the slimes and the mind flayers, the things that are kind of wacky and out there. I actually really like, but still, at its core, Dungeons and Dragons is pretty generic fantasy. Like, elves are higher intelligence, and, and uh, goliaths are higher strength, and humans are versatile, and dwarves are high strength and constitution. Like, it's very, it's very racial and what everything actually is. And so, so the old Warhammer fantasy had a lot of that too, and so it makes it a lot easier to find it. Because if you look at those characters, I know that, uh, that Yogvir was one of the newer characters, but it's really just a kind of a generic barbarian looking thing. And then of course Tor just being an elf is, is quite straightforward.
Uh, with all the new Age of Sigmar Army books coming out, I don't recall seeing a lot from you guys about it. Uh, what do you mean? We just put out a Ogre Maw Tribes first impressions with some battle reports. And we put out a Bone Reaper first impressions, and there's more battle reports of that coming. The, the line isn't really out for Bone Reapers yet, so there couldn't be much more. So which books are you thinking of that we did not cover? Is it something that just hasn't happened yet, or did I miss it? Well, you must have missed it, because we have the first impressions of both the Ogre Maw Tribes and the new Bone Reapers. And the last one before that was the Auric Warclans, and I definitely covered that one a lot. Um, now I have a bit of a silly question for you. No way. If you could take a model or unit from Age of Sigmar and move it to 40k, but give it the 40k treatment and vice versa to Age of Sigmar, what would it be? Something fun. Actually, that's, that's pretty easy. Um, in both cases. It's not a model, it's actually an entire army. And that is, I would take something like the Ideneth Deepkin and I'd bring them over to 40k for the Exodite worlds for the Eldar. Because I think we need to see Eldar riding dragons, sorry, dinosaurs because that would be super awesome. It would bring a lot more of the fantasy aspect to Warhammer 40k. I love Warhammer 40k, don't get me wrong. But Eldar, I find model-wise, are old and outdated and kind of boring. Um, but if you brought me Exodites, where it's Eldar riding dinosaurs, that would be super cool. As for Age of Sigmar, to, or 40k to Age of Sigmar, I would do Imperial Guard from 40k over to Age of Sigmar as the free guild. I don't just mean the cities of Sigmar, and I don't mean the free people. I mean the free guild that we read about in the Age of Sigmar novels, where every city has several regiments of them, and each regiment has its own thing that they do, and they've got cog fortresses, like these big rolling fortresses, and steam tanks, and so they'd basically be vehicles and transports, and, and land raider looking things, except, you know, with the fantasy treatment. I think it would be ridiculously awesome. And it wouldn't just be humans, it'd be humans and dwarves. Uh, the old Duradin, of course, not the fire slayers. Uh, they came out of Cities of Sigmar, which to me, it feels like a stopgap. Like, I, I like the Cities of Sigmar book overall, but um, what I really want is Free Guild as their own book, because I think that would be super cool. Cities of Sigmar is cool, though, because it allows you to combine so much, and so there's so many possibilities of what you could do with that, too. Even if they're not going to be super competitive, it does give you a lot of options for what to do, especially if you own a lot of the old armies. Now you have a lot more playability with them. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode of Good Morning Terra. We now send it up to Colin, who's been listening to his holy hum for 19 hours and has a review. Colin? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that the pitch that, it, that the Emperor is sending out right now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> that is a, I don't know, a B-flat? That's what I'm going to go with? <laughs> uh, so, coming over to our live viewers, remember, if you want to leave a question, just put exclamation mark ask, and then leave your question after that. We've got some here. We've got Ninja Fish. Any chance you might appear in Steve, Colin, and Luca's upcoming Warhammer Fantasy Kickstarter? Uh, no. Not because I do not like Steve, Colin, or Luca, but because I don't play Warhammer Fantasy, nor do I ever want to. Um, it's just not a game that ever really clicked with me. I played a bunch of it back in 6th edition. Yeah, yeah, because you had armies. I, and... I, I definitely, we covered it in Mini Wargaming, and I covered it. Dave didn't play it. I played it. I played a lot of Tomb Kings and a little bit of some other stuff, but mostly Tomb Kings. And um, I was fine. I enjoyed myself enough with it, but there's just certain aspects that never really clicked. I think if I went back to it, I could enjoy it more, but I just don't want to. And I got lots of other choices. And I love Age of Sigmar. So I, don't, I have zero itch to play a regimental-based game. I think part of it, uh, forget, like, we could talk a long time about this, but I think part of it is just the terrain 
that uh, yeah, you, typically, I, I, you typically play I understand a lot that. Yeah, I, I like understand terrain. that. I like terrain. Now, you can play Warhammer Fantasy with way more terrain than these guys ever do. But, you know, you put a couple more things on the table and you'll have nothing but complaints and whines and grumbling. It's so hard to move. <laughs> I can't move my guys. <laughs> but it looks so epic as they walk down this aisle, but I can't move. I can't pivot properly. I spent like, 25 minutes before this game putting these guys in the tray. Yeah. Please don't make me take them off. Please don't make me take them off and reform so I can, you know, you go narrow so you can go down. Exactly. And then you reform to wide. That's that's cool aspect of the game, but it is a pain. I get it. I get it. Yeah, definitely one of those things that worked better in the older editions when there was fewer models to move. Yes. Um, Zergalurgaderg is saying, I'm sorry, I meant about to ask about the cities of Sigmar that I might have missed. Um, we, we, we did a, a, a review on the cities of Sigmar. Oh, yeah. And then a couple battle reports. I think the cities of Sigmar, there's less interest in it here. When it first came out, I remember everybody was interested. But then once they read the book and played it a little bit, they're just like, eh. And so that was about it. It's interesting, uh, amongst everybody here, I'll tell you a little secret, as you promised not to tell. Um, it, it, there, there's certain people who are having a harder time enjoying Age of Sigmar as much. I'm not one of them. I love Age of Sigmar. But uh, not everybody is super keen on it, whereas like 40k, there's a lot more keenness to that. And so, so that, 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 that can um, makes it hard to cover all the different armies, is what it comes down to. So I basically, I never make people play armies or games that they really don't want to. Because that just makes bad videos, to a certain degree. It's like obviously it's their job, but you know, if they're like, no, I really don't like. Oh, how did that question disappear? You had a question disappear? Yeah, the question I was just answering it just disappeared. I didn't click anything. It just disappeared. Uh, Weird. Have there been more questions? Have you gotten a re uh, new question from Catfish? Yeah, I just I just okay. got that. Okay. Yeah, no, no, all the questions are there. Okay. Squilly Pigs asks, Magnus does nothing wrong. Discuss. Um, Magnus done nothing wrong. Discuss. Well, I guess you could make the argument that everything is awful in Warhammer 40k universe, so there's not really any good guys. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think anybody who goes out and wholesale slaughters millions or billions of people did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to justify that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah ju justify that. Like, the ends do not justify the means. Uh, I realize that there's been Inquisitors that have done worse, and they're also wrong. But at the same time, maybe they're right because they're squashing out chaos. It's hard. The, in the 41st millennium, or in this case, the 42nd millennium, there are no morals. If you think about it, though, because in, the, in that universe, it's basically a suit. It, it's created its own definition of right and wrong because they've confirmed this existence of the immaterium, which is chaos. They've kind of delved deep into the existence of a soul and what happens to it and all that kind of stuff. And so they've, they've answered a lot of those questions that people are still asking today. And so once you kind of say, well, this is the way things are, once you are very sure of the way things are, that frames your that gives you a frame of reference for what is right and what is wrong. Uh, so, for example, if the if the 41st millennium or the way that Warhammer 40k really did exist, and it was really necessary to purge entire worlds to keep chaos from destroying all of humanity, then that's not wrong. But the question just comes down to: Is that the best way to approach it? And this is not reality, so you know it's hard to compare to our morals of today. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but 
if you compare it to the morals that I believe in personally outside of the game, somebody comes in and wholesale slaughters billions of people, they've done something wrong. I don't care what their reasons are. Is that, that's the best I can do with that, really? I think that sums it up as easy as possible. Yeah. Catfish, what are your 2020 goals, personal and mini wargaming related? Um, wow, you assume I make goals. <laughs> well, okay, let's start with mini wargaming. Obviously, with the new bunker, we really want to kick off and get a lot more events running. So I, I don't, we don't have like a specific number goal in mind, but definitely for 2020 is the year that we really want to be running more events. We have lots of ideas for events, immersive campaigns, um, wargaming retreats, where you come and hang out with us for a week and we do all sorts of fun stuff and eat lots of good food. Um, also, the one thing as well that we haven't announced yet is um, you can you can customize your own experience too. So we had, for example, one of the guys that came in for Resident Evil campaign said, hey, me and a few, I told my friends about this and we'd love to come in and do a different campaign. Could we do something else? And the answer is absolutely. So if you, if you and your few friends really wanted to come in for an immersive narrative campaign or just a narrative campaign with one of us for three days, five days, then you just email Josh and you tell him what you want and we work out the details and we, we come up with a custom quote for a price for that. And then, then you can come in and do that. So that's one of the things we'll be introducing as well. As well as all the other events, like the smaller ones. And by small, I mean like shorter. Like Apocalypticon, for example. And that's not small. It's about 40 people. But it's just Friday night, Saturday. It's not like a five-day event kind of thing. That's what I mean by small. So obviously, we want that. Uh, other goals for Mini Wargaming would be to, to grow our viewership and our vault membership so we have more money to invest in making better and more videos and covering more games. Those are the two main things right now on our plate. Like right now for 2019, our, our goals are to get our merch store up and running, which is just about ready to go. It's all dice and widgets, all mini wargaming themed, just like people have been asking for. T-shirts, like a, a real merch store. We've already sold like a few t-shirts through Spreadshirt or through Teesprings or whatever, but that's just like little things that we throw out here and there. But we have a store that's you know, magnets and mini wargaming dice and mini wargaming widgets, and you'll be able to buy all that stuff. So that's a more immediate thing, plus getting more content out, all that stuff too. So there's a lot going on. Personal goals, well, I'm currently working on, on uh, a fitness program myself, trying to lose some weight, which I already have done some. So I'm hoping that I'll achieve my goal weight by probably, you know, first quarter of 2020. February, March, if, uh, if all goes well, even by, it might be even by April, depending on how quickly I can do it. So I'm trying, I'm trying all that too. So, so yeah, those are other personal goals. I don't have any particular right now. Oh, weird. Let's see, it just came back up. The one from before? Yeah, catfishes one. And other ones are just filling in. Hmm. Just weird spots. So I just I just I cleared it and then it came back. Interesting. I feel like that problem only happens for you, right? Like yeah. seriously, every other week for everyone. I'm just in pick fine. next. I'm not <laughs> even picking. I know I know pick random doesn't work properly. It doesn't clear it. So I'm just doing pick next and it still didn't do it. Ninja fish favorite race slash class combo for D and D. Oh, I don't have one. And so, but I can still talk about this. I love D and D, but I enjoy like there's there's two ways that I've come up with a character. The first is to come up with a race class combo that I just want to try out. Um, like I want to try a Goliath Paladin or a Halfling Bard or whatever. Sometimes it's based off of, 
I feel a little forced by the D&D system to choose a race that kind of complements the class, uh, especially if you're doing points by and not like random rolling. Definitely. Because, because it just kind of sucks if you're like, yeah, I want to do a Goliath Bard. And then but the best charisma you can get at level one is 15. Right. And so you you got a plus two charisma, which is the number of bardic inspirations you get. And it's your spell casting modifier. You just kind of, you're like, ah, I'm, I'm, a, strong, I'm a strong Goliath. I, I would still try that, but I wish there, there was, I've, I've seen more than one article written by different people with the opinion that they need to get rid of the whole racial stat bonus system. Um, and they, some of them even claim that it's a little racist. And I'm just like, well, whatever. It's their elves and dwarves. And they can, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of the, the older editions where it's a negative and a bonus. See, I don't even want that. Like, I, I basically what they, what they say is that you take the, the stat bonuses and you move them to the classes. So a wizard is plus two intelligence, and a bard is an extra mm. charisma, that kind of thing. Or you get rid of them altogether, and you just give you more points for character creation. Yeah. Uh, and then you leave other racial features in there instead, like um, like dwarves having dark vision, or only moving twenty five feet, or knowing, or like um, knowing what the stonework is. Yep. Yeah, that's already interesting. Uh, or, or things like the half-orc being able to reduce damage by d12 once per short rest or long rest, whatever it is. Or an elf not needing to sleep and going into a trance instead. The tabaxi well, movement. The tabaxi being able to, yeah, having claws and doing slashing damage in d4 with unarmed. Things like that. Things like that. So uh, that's more interesting to me. I wish they would do that. Because then it would, it would free up character creation even more. Because my favorite way to create a character is to think of something off the wall and think more about the personality of the character and then build to that. But there's always part of me that's just like oh, a little, little less than satisfied with a character who's skewed negatively in the thing that they're supposed to be good at. Unless I'm really leaning into that. Like I'm going to play a Charisma 10 bard because that would be awful. <laughs> just a bad I'm gonna, bard. I'm going <laughs> to lean into how bad that bard is. Or a, or a fighter with an 8 strength. Oh, no. <laughs> just, just like, you're like, I got this, guys. <laughs> how much damage did you do? Zero. I did zero damage. I didn't know that was possible with a sword, but it is. <laughs> I hit him. Now with I want to play that. What? Actually, I want to play a super high intelligence and high wisdom fighter, who just becomes an eldritch knight eventually. Yeah, maybe it's an eldritch <laughs> knight. Yeah, like low strength, low dex, low con. One character I want to play is a super low con wizard. Yes, um, that's it, classic. If you do, if you do points by, then you can't go any lower than eight. So it's minus one con. So you start off with five hit points. And you go up three hit points per level. Woo! So like at five, at level five, you are at what seventeen hit points. That's amazing. <laughs> at level eight, wait, hold on, seventeen, twenty, twenty-three, twenty-six. Like, what's your level eight characters? Barbarians hit points at right now. Eighty-four. Right, you'd have, I'd have twenty-six. Hit points. <laughs> oh no! See, I would say I like that. To me, that feels very much like the old editions that I. That yeah, I the wizards were D fours, weren't they? D four. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Like, now I'm getting the old questions popping back in here. What's going on? I don't understand why it happens to you only. But I swear there was more questions in here a moment ago and they've disappeared. But you have the squealy pigs and... Yeah. Okay. Huh. But I don't have Lancifers. I you know, I'm switching over to looking at the chat. Okay. This isn't working. Something, something's, something's wonky. Oh, and thank you, squealy pigs, for being a vault member for three years. And a six-month tier one subscriber, you're awesome. I know there's been other subscribers in here too. I, I, I'm not gonna be like, like Yaram and Bmoz there. Um, 
There is only sound, apparently. There is only sound? Oh, no. Still I here after one year, love the work, and there is only sound. Yeah. We're, 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 we're bouncing back and forth between connection and... Oh, okay, okay. Now has video feed, he said. That was probably like 10 minutes ago. That's our graph. Oh, it's awful. It's not a nice graph. But is the sound actually good at least, or does yeah. that cut out too? Typically, the sound stays. Okay. Well, it says, as long as the sound works. Okay, so I'm going to go through this instead. And again, the recording will be fine, so the, the video of this. Yeah, the, re the recording should be okay, because it's being recorded separately. Magnus done nothing wrong. I'm sorry, I meant to ask what to do to Sigmar. What are your 2020 goals? Favorite race class combo. Here we are. The Ginkgo. Oh, did it seriously just drop down to the bottom? It scrolled to the bottom. Why it's did it do to, that? Is it set to auto-scroll? How do I turn off auto-scroll? I don't see the word auto-scroll anywhere. When you go up, chat, go pause, chat do the scroll. If you go up high enough. It doesn't say. You don't get that little dialog box? I'm looking. No. I got the pop-out thing, remember? This is really annoying. I'm sorry, guys. Oh. Is it in the settings? Yeah, if you go into the settings, there's chat pause. Chat pa pause chat. Scroll only. Mouse over. Manage your pause chat. Chat will always pause when scrolling the chat pane. Liar! Liar! It does not. Hold alt key. Mouse over alt key. Whatever. Scroll only. Sorry, guys. This is really annoying. Uh, I don't know why things aren't working for me. Okay, so. Next comment. Ginkgo, what are your hopes for the remaining Xenos factions in Phoenix Awakening? Um, that's a good question. Because uh, I've, I've actually played some of the new Eldar. I don't know if those battle courts have gone out yet. But um, with the new Phoenix Awakening stuff, and it's been interesting. But the, the first Phoenix Awakening, or first... Sorry, not Phoenix Awakening, Psychic Awakening, Phoenix Rising. Um, and I haven't played any of the Drakari or the Harlequin stuff. And it's interesting. I'm not sure where they would head with the other stuff because it wasn't just like everything got more Psychic stuff that had really left, that's nothing to do with it. It just gave new rules for all the different Aspect Warriors. And so I don't know what they're thinking of doing with all the other stuff. And I haven't been following that specifically on Warhammer Community if they have given away anything that they're doing. So I don't really have any hopes for it. Not that I have, I'm in despair over it, but more just that I don't have any specific desires for it because I'm not quite sure what they're, they're leading towards with it. I had thought that it was going to be more about psychic. Like I know in the lore it is, but I thought, you know, it'd be new psychers for each race kind of thing. I thought, oh, that could be interesting. I would, although I have no idea what that would look like. So... I, I haven't had a good chance to read through all the lore of the Psychic Awakening, though, and I kind of would, I want to. But I'm reading a book about Necromunda right now. I've been reading the lore through... Uh, what else have I been reading? The Vigilist stuff. There's a lot. There's so much, so much lore for, for one guy to be able to, to get through. Uh, Ginkgo, oh, I have plenty of despair. Indeed. Yeah, so Ginkgo's comment, I saw it show up earlier, and then it disappeared. So I don't know why. I'm just I'm just worried that I'm missing people's questions here. I'll I'll watch in the chat just to make sure you're going to the right one next. Okay. Like VJ Moore or Starmax is next. Yeah, I see that. 
Starmex, Matthew, have you guys decided to get more bone-like structures for Age of Sigmar for Shaiish realm battles? And where would you get terrain like that? And then your painting is cut off. Uh, want to get some for my new bone reapers to play with. Sorry for the long question. Uh, actually, we have a lot of bone structures. We, I had Adam from Greenleaf Terrain make up a huge set for when we did... Um, what was it for? Was it for a specific narrative campaign? Or was it when you were just doing like all the different realm stuff? Yeah, I think it might have been that. I don't remember. But we have like these huge ribs. So basically what he did, he did a few things. One, he went out to like a dollar store and bought like plastic skeleton stuff, like the skeleton of a cat or the like skulls and stuff. And then he just kind of broke those up and painted them. He also used styrofoam to make like big rib cages and he made a custom looking thing so you could like put all these bones to make a, what looks like a big god beast skeleton. Oh, sorry, a third thing he did is he just got regular skeleton warriors and he just kind of partially assembled them off the bases, painted them, and threw them all in a cup for us. So we could like, literally sprinkle them around if we wanted to. So we already have a lot of bone structures that we could use for that kind of stuff, so I'm not too worried about making more of that right now. And I'm sure we can make more customized stuff, but when there's so many terrain needs that we have that making a slightly different version of something we already have is not something I want to do. BJ Morph, Matthew, as a fellow small business owner, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? That is a great question because that was this week and even is this week. Um, last week was a guest week and a guest week is when we have a lot of guests come in and film battle reports and that was great. I played Ogre Mod Tribes, forgot about all my concerns and worries in my life because all I had to do is show up to work and film battle reports. But then this week was an open week where I had to then figure out what I was going to do next and that's usually when I figure out what my next narrative campaign is going to be or start planning events, but I was just feeling kind of overwhelmed by everything because we have essentially a new business venture in doing events. We also have the constant, constant work on maintaining good quality, good quantity content for YouTube and for the Mini Wargaming Vault. It's a constant struggle to, to bring you guys the stuff that you want to see, that we are able to create, that we want to create, that makes money, so that we can continue to make stuff. That is hard. So I'm constantly looking through reports and um, trying to crawl or comb through analytics. And I think I talked about this on the open vault deck. Is it today that it just went up? Yeah, it went up yeah, so pretty I, much I, when we went live. Yeah, pretty much. There's an open vault where I talked a little bit about it because I was literally in the middle of doing that yesterday when Colin did the open vault. And so this week's been a little hard because I've been a little directionless of trying to figure out what I want to do next because I like to be excited about my projects, right? And um, I'm now in the middle of writing a campaign for an Imperial Guards thing, which I'm excited about. And I also want to play Necromunda. And I also want, there's all sorts of stuff I want to do. But it's a little, it, it's constantly overwhelming. And I, I, like I say, I always say I, will, I don't want to complain about this job because there are, most other jobs I believe in the world are worse than mine. Um, I don't mean worse as in your job sucks, but just like most people have to work for a living, whereas I get to, for the most part, I get to do a lot of playing for a living. But there's also a lot of work too. So my advice is if you're totally overwhelmed to the point where it's paralyzing you, you take some time off. Um, as What's-His-Face would say in that one book, I can't remember the name of, sharpen the saw. Something habits of highly effective people. Seven habits, Stephen Covey, does that sound right? I have no idea. Something like that. Oh, look, all the questions are back. I can't seem to get rid of them. So, anyways. Um, 
So yes, you got to sharpen a saw, and so you got to take some time off. Other times you have to just put something down and do something else. Um, and then sometimes you just have to just put on your big boy pants and just kind of work through the anxiety and the overwhelm. Sometimes you just got to do it. And you just gotta, you gotta, and sometimes if you can't find something that works, then you work anyways. And you just, and sometimes that makes you feel better, and sometimes it doesn't. It's to be human, right? You're gonna have good days and bad days, good months, bad months, good years, bad years. And you just have to kind of deal with that. But I get it. I totally get it. Come on, clear these stupid questions. Yeah, see, now I've just lost a few questions. So the next one I have here is Squealy Pigs. Not really a question, but just want to say how much of an awesome job all of you do. Keep up the good job and never stop producing amazing co. What does the rest of that comment say? Uh, which one? Squealy pigs. Not really a question. Keep up the good job and never stop producing amazing. I'm assuming it says content. content. Oh, that's it? That's, yeah. that's the end of the thing? <laughs> yeah, oh, you just, just got content. content. <laughs> Thank you, squealy pigs. Thank you very much. And there's the next one, Lord of All Chimps. Hey, Matt, we haven't gotten a slow grow campaign in a while. Have you ever considered doing one with some homebrewed base building elements? Dot, dot, dot. This is why I need you in the chat. Mr. Colin. This is the... Home, uh, this yeah. is Lord of All Chimps. Homebrewed base, homebrewed base building elements. Well, this isn't... This isn't... No, this is Lord of All Chimps. Well, so yeah, you are down all the way here then. Okay. Did I miss any questions? Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Uh, brewing elements. Uh, so you left off at home base, home brewed base building elements, like establishing the mini wargaming craft worlds, or maybe an astro militarum establishing a human mm. colony on a hostile world could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. And don't take this the wrong way, Lord of All Chimps, but we get lots of ideas for narrative campaigns. And I'm sure that one could be really cool. And maybe one day all of a sudden it'll click and I'll want to do that. But um, yeah, the home, the, doing the base building elements is really tough. The Heralds of Ruin kill team rules had something like that. And that was kind of interesting. But it can be hard to actually pull that off, especially when you have very different kinds of races trying to balance that. All right, the only one I have on here, and I know there's more, is Country Gaming. If you could ignore business considerations, what miniature game would you support that you can't now? Um... There wouldn't be any miniature games that I would consider supporting that I can't now. There's not anyone that I'm burning, have a burning desire to play. Like, I, I want to play Necromunda, and we're going to. And I want to play Warcry, and we do. And I want to play Kill Team, and we do. I get to play, I like a lot of the Games Workshop games, and I'm not, I'm not in the thick of the industry of all the other games. I'm sure I would find others. But what I would tell you is what I would do is I would play Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. I would love to, to really lean heavily into role-playing games, not at the expense of miniature games for the company, for me personally. Um, as much as I have a passion for miniature wargaming, that is nothing compared to my passion for role-playing games. But uh, mini wargaming started as mini wargaming because we were doing the miniatures and starting the store, so it started off as a miniature wargaming thing. We've done a few role-playing shows, but uh, unfortunately they haven't been popular enough for us to really cover the cost. Uh, we were just doing the math the other day because uh, we want to do another one badly. There's been comments people wanting us to do it and we're like, oh, we want to, but if we didn't do it live, then that would allow us to be more efficient because then we could film two or three episodes in a day rather than just one because you lose the rest of the day pretty much. And I'd want it to be all employees really. Having a guest or two to fill in that slot really doesn't save you that much money. And if you have everybody be guests, then it kind of defeats the purpose because people are here to see us. 
um, to a certain degree. I, I, I get that you could have the right guess. But um, if you were to have four players, a GM, and then a camera operator, then you're looking at, and if, if they film 10 episodes, let's say, we could film it all in five days, it would cost almost $10,000 just in wages alone. And that's including prep time to get it ready. And that's not accounting for opportunity cost, which if you're not familiar with that term is the money you could have made doing something else. So for example, if you work five hours to produce a product and you could sell that product for 500 bucks, for example, then the opportunity cost of doing something else for five hours is $500 because minus the wages, of course, uh, whatever the profit, let's say it was $100 of wages, $500 product, so the opportunity cost of that person doing something else is $400 and then there's their wage cost as well. So there's a lot of things that six people can do in a week when it comes to content. We can make a lot of battle reports. We could make two narrative campaigns in that same time and instead of just doing one role-playing show. And I know everybody has all sorts of suggestions on how to save time and cost, but let's face it, that's, that's actually minimum cost. It could be, it's easily going to cost more than that. And that's, that's a lot of vault members that we need to sign up just to watch that. Uh, heck, it's a ton. It's a ridiculous amount of YouTube viewers <laughs> that we would need. We would need like every single one of our viewers for the past few years to watch it for it to make the YouTube revenue to cover that cost because uh, YouTube revenue sucks. It just does. It's just, it's not, it doesn't bring in a lot of money. So like we talked about, like, oh, should we do a Kickstarter? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do a Kickstarter because you know people get tired of Kickstarters. And even if we did raise $10,000, that just covered the cost. It didn't cover the opportunity cost. Really, to be super comfortable with it, we need to do a Kickstarter for at least $20,000. So that way the profit from that Kickstarter would be like, yeah, that was worth doing instead of the other stuff that we would have done that week. So that's hard. It's a hard choice. I'd love to do that. And there is ways to make, like other companies, there are ways to do it. But because our audience is so heavily into miniature wargaming, because of the saturation in the role-playing market as well, so yeah, that's the thing. I, and I, we were just talking about this before I came in here as well, that we were talking about how nice it is at home that we have our D&D group that we play every week, every Tuesday. And we've been doing it for over a year. And we don't have to look at stats. We don't have to be like, oh, it's not, this show's not getting as many views, so we gotta maybe think of something else. Or, you know, you're not dynamic a personality enough to be on the show, we need to find somebody else. It's like if we're, we're a group of friends and we're just having fun, as long as we're having fun and we're still available, we can do this. Just not having to worry about microphones. Yeah, no microphones to worry about. I just throw down a, a, a dry erase board and write out stuff. And you might, you'd say, well, just do that. Just do that. Just, just do the simple things with one camera and no mi and just one microphone. That's That'll be a crap video. And while it might entertain a few of our loyal followers, it wouldn't get the following necessary. And really, you still didn't eliminate the biggest cost. You just knocked out one person needing to be in there. You still have the five other people um, who are all still having to be there and be paid. So you're not even dropping the cost that much, and you're drastically lowering the, the quality of the content. So, so that's what I would do. I would play role-playing games. Not just Dungeons & Dragons. Wrath of Glory, Age of Sigmar, Dark Harry, whatever. I'd, I'd play tons of them. I would do that all the time, and I would love it. All right, so do you see any feed, more? Oh, hold on. VJ Moore says, my advice is, then the feed drops. Yeah, as soon as you were going to say it through his question. Oh, sorry. Okay, the short version, you can watch the recording for the longer version, VJ Moore, is take a break if you need to, sharpen the saw, 
Um, try something else for a little while. And if all else fails and you have no choice, then you just power through it. That's basically summing up all that. Okay, because there's so there's one from Lancifer. Hold on, I'm there. A bigger one? Do you have the whole thing? Yeah, I'm okay. actually in the chat. Okay. So if I all of a sudden stop reading this because my chat scrolled down. Lancifer, looking through older videos, I saw the Beast Arises reviews. Having read these, how are you, your thoughts comparing the Beast Wa to the dinky little orcs you see in the 40k timeline? Uh, would it not be interesting to see a separate elitish faction of orcs which are big and monstrous, more melee oriented? Or even just to see a model of the Beast War bosses, twice the size of Primarchs, covered in essentially tank equipment and personal void shields? Yeah, the. Oh, look, all the questions just came back. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyways. Um, the yeah, it, I having read that, which series as a whole is good, uh, is a really cool orc story. The orcs themselves that they fought weren't anything special. They there were the better orcs, but you found out later on, spoiler alert, that most of the better orcs didn't even go in the fight. They stayed back with the, the leader. Uh, but um, it's the it's the threat of how they were all united and how they were so united their rod got so big that it even unlocked new types of orcs like the ambassadorks the ambassador orcs that's awesome. the ambassadorks they didn't call them that I called them that ambassadorks I don't know why they didn't call them that, that and they were, like a it, was, opportunity. It, it was so cool to see the ambassador orcs just show up on earth and walk into the high lord of Terra meeting and be like dude are you guys going to surrender already and they're like squabble 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 <laughs> you literally saw the orc ambassadors go <laughs> These guys are the worst. <laughs> I love that. I love that the orcs were like more political than the stupid, stupid High Lords of Terra. That's awesome. The one thing that those books make you want to do is go in and shoot every single High Lord of Terra <laughs> in the head repeatedly because they're all such bickering, annoying brats. And they're, they're, these are the guys that run the galaxies. It's awful. Um, I, I would love to see, yeah, I'd love to see some new models for the orcs to represent the elites. I know you got like the knobs, which are the bigger ones and stuff, so you can kind of use those, but um, even, yeah, just coming out with some really cool prime orcs. The, the real thing is, um, the, the hard thing for Games Workshop, in my opinion, is if you make everybody a threat, then nobody's a threat. It's that, that, that's that problem, right? If everybody's special, that's just another way of saying nobody is. Um, and and that's true. It's like, because I remember when I first came into 40k and I fell in love with the Tyranids, and I'm reading all their lore, I'm like, these guys are the biggest threat in the galaxy. Clearly. They read the lore. They clearly are the biggest threat in the galaxy. They're going to consume the whole galaxy. There's nothing Chaos can do about it. Nothing the Eldar can do about it. Nothing the Tau can do about it. Nothing the Imperium can do about it. It is inevitable. But then you read a Warhammer community post saying the biggest threat to the to the galaxy arises. And I'm like, ooh, more tiered stuff. I'm like, no, it's chaos. I'm like, they're not the biggest threat. Can't have chaos if there's no galaxy. But then all of a sudden, the biggest threat to the galaxy is all of these two worlds awakening. Now the biggest threat is is uh, the wall of, of Gaskull. And it's just like, okay, yeah, okay, I see what's going on here. They're trying to make everything the biggest threat. And so it kind of takes away the feeling that anything really is. And I get why they do that. I wouldn't want there to just be Imperium and Chaos. I'd, I like the fact that there's Eldar and Tau and Orcs. I'm the one that would be the biggest advocate for introducing even more Xenos races. 
but they don't need to be the biggest threat. Just introduce another zine. Like the Tau, you have the Tau, who are just off in a little corner. Are they strong? Yes. Are they going to take over the galaxy? Not anytime soon, because there's not enough of them. But it's cool to have that little race. It'd be cool to have other little pockets of races with miniatures. And so to me, that's what the orcs are. And so they're, you can write a story every once in a while. It, the Beast of Rises kind of worked because it was like chaos was the biggest threat, and then they were defeated. And then there was relative peace, and then the orcs became the biggest threat. So you kind of have that cycle of what is the biggest threat. Whereas once you get to the, this is the problem with their whole present day setting, where you're just playing on one timeline. At one, like you go back and play Battletech, for example, and you can choose to play at different times. And that unlocks the different kinds of mechs that will be available and what's going on and what's the big threat at that moment. But in, the, in Warhammer 40k, you're essentially always playing at the current time. And so they always have to, in order to make every all of these different races sound interesting, they all have to be the big threat. But, um, but that just kind of waters everything down. So I think the orcs are fine the way they are. What would be, I guess another way that you can approach it is you can do campaign books where individuals are big threats. Um, kind of like how Vigilus doesn't have all of the different races. Uh, it's still about chaos. But and they, the orcs are there, but they basically failed, and others running in their races across the wastes, which is fun and cool. I like that. But it would be cool if there was another campaign book where the orcs are the big bad guy, and the chaos don't even show up in the book, and and it gives them rules in there that make them really big threats. But they're a big problem in this sector, and the tower a big problem in this sector, and the necrons have cut a swath through this sector, and then the galaxy-wide threat is chaos because. Chaos. Yeah. Uh, Country Gaming Entity said, missed it. What books make you want to kill the High Lords? Beast Arises. Uh, Lord of All Chimps. Oh, wait. i got to do these in order. Okay, I'll come back. Did you get there's one from Zerg? Oh, but, oh goodness. Where? Uh, it was, who's, who's your, your favorite, favorite character yeah. from the GW lore to hate? High Lords of Terra. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess them. <laughs> the High Lords of Terra. I know that's more than one character. I can't think of any one character in particular that I really hate. Oh, is it 40k lore or just GW lore? GW. Oh, so it's not the lore that I hate him. I was going to say the new um, Troll Slayer. Oh, Gotrek? Gotrek. His rules are awful. <laughs> not because they're strong, but because they're just... Lame. Yeah, it's lame. Uh, Squealy Pigs, would you ever do Death Watch Series 2? As Death Watch has been my favorite campaign so far done by you guys, especially the game with Slime Marble. Yeah, I would. No plans. But I would. Lord of All Chimps, what would you like to see in new Tyranid models? I would like to see new Tyranid models. I would like to see, literally, all my boxes of Tyranid models dumped into the garbage and give me a full new range. With the exception of the Hara specs and maybe the Trigons and Molochs and Raveners. Not that they're particularly the good models, but they kind of go along what I'm talking about. No more of this freaking crap of we've evolved after consuming 12 galaxies to hold our guns like this. <laughs> Come on. Basically, take the look of the Zerg which look way superior than the Tyranids. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Combine it with the ridiculous, awesome lore of the Tyranids, 
which is far superior than the crap that is the Zerg, what they became at least, and you have your perfect race. I started mix the two. Yeah, best give me the parts. lore of the of the Tyranids and the models of the Zerg, and that's exactly what I want to see. I don't want to see a guy go. Some of the things have grown on me. Like I never liked that they had a cannon sticking on their back, but I have to admit, seeing the Exocrine just picturing them like, choo, 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 kuh, there's some coolness to that. Yep. But watching other things running around holding guns, like the Termagants, like that, um, the Carnifexes even have age, they haven't aged very well. The uh, warriors when they have the guns. Yeah, the warriors that are holding the guns too, and or bone swords. Lash whips, like might well just have hands of swords. Yeah, it's just like there's so many better like nature on Earth. Like if you if you fully look at evolution and whatever your belief system in that is, like the Earth hasn't been around that long. The Tyranids have consumed entire galaxies, so they are billions of years old at least. Well, no, not at least billions of years old because. The whole universe is not older than what, 15 billion years, whatever. And heck, maybe they came from another other dimension where it was even older. But they're 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 old, and that's the best they can do. <laughs> like seriously. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, that's just a fact. Orcs are 40k's good guys. Zergler says discuss. Um, no, orcs are not the good guys. <laughs> My discussion would be that they are probably created by the old ones to battle the Necrons. They love to kill and pillage, and they don't get along even with each other. I guess that's what your definition. What's your definition of good guys? See, to me, a good guy is somebody who does good things for good reasons, or at least does good things. And the orcs neither do good things nor do they do them for good reasons. Yeah, definitely not the second. War budgies. How's the lineup looking for Apocalypticon? Hey, it's going great. Uh, I just posted yesterday on Facebook. It's still more than five months away, and we're almost half filled up for the tickets. Nice. So it's 40 available, and we've almost sold the first half of those. So, And we've already got several people interested in bringing their humongous titans. So I know we're going to be seeing lots of big stuff on the table, and that's the whole point, is it not? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't have all the details on what armies everybody's bringing yet, because I haven't asked that yet, because we're nowhere near completion. I don't really care until we get closer. So, so yeah. Uh, Starmex. Battletech campaign on mini wargaming with your kids. Are you Inner Sphere or Clanner? Ooh, or, yeah, I don't know. Um, they're both kind of cool. Battletech is very scrappy, so I could see myself being the villain, being the clans, right? Because they're kind of the villains, kind of. Um, or the saviors, depends on how you look at it, but more villains. They more have a villain-esque vibe to them than, than good guys. And that, because then uh, my kids would be inner sphere fighting off the bad guys, right? That's, that's what you do when you're eventually going to lose on purpose. You, you make sure you play the villain. But the inner sphere is pretty cool, too. Battletech is so cool. I haven't played a lot of the board game or the miniature war game for a while. I played it a bit with my son, but now we're just playing a lot of D&D. But I did play the computer game, the Battletech computer game that came out not too long ago, like in the past year or two, where you manage your mechs and your ship. And that, that game was so good. It was so addicting. But yeah. Laverius, the Phobos Marines, to cut the antenna or to not cut them? That is my question. They seem so breakable with one drop. 
Uh, I don't know, man. That's a modeling question. I know, yeah. You're I, asking the wrong person. I understand that. That they, I, I, Every I, time I look at them, I'm like, oh! I, I prefer them to look as cool as they can, but I also get that certain models just break easy. Like, talk, I'm looking at you, Harlequins. It's like you just put them in the box, you look away and look back, and all their weapons are broken. You're like, are you a game piece? Yeah. Or, or a display piece? Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, some of them are pretty fragile. Um, That's the ones that I see, at least. Okay. Lancifer. I mean, good and evil are just two sides to the same coin. It's just perception. See, I don't, I'm not sure if you're being serious. I do agree that good and evil are opposites, but I don't agree that it's just perception. I think that there is a, a definite moral good and evil in the world today. This is not me talking about fiction. This is me talking about reality. I get that not everybody agrees with that, and you're allowed to not agree with that. It's your, your prerogative, but I believe that there is good and there is evil. And um, yeah. And that's not just a perception thing, it's not a man-made thing, but that it is, that it exists that way. Lord of all chimps, will you have a narrative for the Apocalypticon battle? Once you know what's coming, obviously. I always try to create something of a narrative. Um, it, I don't think it'll be too heavy in the narrative, because it's more about the spectacle of the game. And it's hard to create a narrative where every single race shows up. You feel I, like that, you're, that's the problem, you're, right? You're, you feel like you're MacGuffining everything. Like, like well, we got this big battle of what? Where every race would show up and fight side by side each other. It's like because if you really think about it, when you put down an apocalypse-sized game and you count up the models, that's a small fight still. When you look at yeah. the 40k universe, like it's it's still a tiny fight. Yeah, we're not talking like a planet-sized battle or anything, yeah. right? Like there, there's millions of Astra Militarum that show up to a regular engagement in 40k. Obviously, you can't represent that. Heck, even a video game wouldn't be able to handle those numbers, oh, not no. yet. But, um, like, you play Total War, and it's like, there are thousands of things on the table. I'm like, yep, that still wasn't the size of the army that you actually were fighting. That's, there's, there's been lots of fantasy, or not fantasy, medieval battles and old historical battles that had tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of troops show up. And our computer games don't even show that, let alone tabletop miniature games. So, yeah. Squealy Pigs, what is your favorite music group or singer and why? I don't actually have one. See, growing up, I, I had a room right adjacent to my older brother's room, and he blared awful music all the time. <laughs> like Iron Maiden. What crap what? is that crap? Oh, jeez. Sorry, as a kid, I didn't appreciate it. As an adult, I appreciate it more. So I'm partially joking here. Oh, of course. Of but course. It, it, was, it was lots of loud, heavy metal music. Angry. Yeah. And I'm like in the next room, so I couldn't listen to music if I wanted to. And so I just kind of grew to really enjoy peace and quiet. I don't listen to the radio. Every once in a while, I try. But you don't listen to anything when you drive? No. You just sit in silence? I love it. <gasps> when I work out, I, I, I sometimes will put on headphones and listen to music, but sometimes I just don't want to. I just want to not. And just kind of taking the ambient noise instead. Terrifying. Silence is terrifying. Silence is awesome. It lets you think. I get my best ideas in silence. Um, so, I'm, yeah. I, uh, the funny thing, though, is I love music. I absolutely love it. And I love all types of music, too. I was gonna say, right you're, you're a fan of world music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like ambient music and that kind of stuff. But it's not just that. Like, I love, like, rap and heavy metal when I'm playing a racing game on a computer game. It's like, and like, yeah, get me aggressive. But I wouldn't just, I don't want to just listen to that. Um, 
So yeah, every to me, music has its place. Uh, I love music. It's a huge influence in, in our lives. Uh, I love I, I, and I love pretty much every genre. Pretty much, I, I still have a hard time getting into screamo. I just think it's garbage. But <laughs> of course, of course, Colin likes it. Cool. What a surprise! Colin likes that music. I am the person who listens to music and it often goes. I'm sorry, I have to subject you to this, but this is what I yeah, but this is what I'm listening to. <laughs> Starmex says, was there only one question on the Mini Wargaming site? No, I just forgot to go back and check. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, let me do a couple of those. Uh, Dead Eye Duck. Hi, Matt. I think you fielded many questions about moving into the bunker of the last few months, but one thing I don't think I have heard you mention is about Adam. I'm almost certain that during the planning stage, and even in the bunker update videos, it was talked about Greenleaf Terrain being in the bunker. Was it ever actually the plan? Did it just change over time or fall through? It was originally the plan, and then we just um, it didn't work out in the end. Uh, for a few reasons, but one of the big reasons just being that we ended up not having space, uh, that we just filled more space than we thought. Um, so yeah, it just it just didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. Um, there was yeah, I, I'm not going to go into all the details. We still work with Adam from Greenleaf Train, so it's not that. Don't worry, there's not any like bad feelings between us or anything like that. Certainly a trivial thing to us vault members, but it just keeps popping in my head, so I thought I'd ask. Yeah, I'd say that the big thing is that where there wasn't space. So miso miso. Love the business, video game, and book discussion, but why not play Blackstone Fortress with your kids? It's much better than Silver Tower, especially the Escalation expansion. Uh, it's good. I think mainly because I felt like playing the fantasy version. I don't disagree with you, though. I've, now that we've played through Silver Tower a few times, I'm starting to be like, okay, this is all right. It's okay. But I haven't played a lot of Blackstone Fortress. I only played it just that one, that time? one time on the live show. It has, this basic, it has the same basic mechanics of how the game works, but how the dungeon is procedurally generated is very different. So maybe I will try that out. Maybe I will, because I love the miniatures in it. Oh yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. As a long-time observer of mini-wargaming, it felt that the move to the new building took a lot more out of you guys than you thought. Is that fair? Now you seem back on course with more experimental content. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It's fair. It didn't take very long to move. We were surprised at how quickly the move went, but it took a long it was more of just a get physical in. move, but like a whole adjustment of everything. There was a, yeah, there was a lot of adjustment. Given that you're back to pushing boundaries, would you try making a movie again? Not for a long time. I have no desire. Dave currently has no desire. That won't mean that he won't want to in the future. You could do it on low budget, but have production and post all organized this time and maybe make it fantasy influence rather than set in a fantasy world. Maybe a mini wargaming horror comedy. Yeah, right now there's no plan for that. And I, zero desire. <laughs> I would never want to do that. So if Dave wants to do that, um, and he wants to do something, then that's a different discussion. But I, no, I don't care at all, in the least. Just not your camera. Not worms. a bit. Not in the, like you'd have to pay me oodles of money for me to <laughs> consider doing that. Just to sit down to meet with somebody. Yeah, to talk just about. just to talk about. It. I want a hundred thousand dollars down just to sit down and go like this. Do I want to make a movie? Because <laughs> it's just awful. I don't want to. Or did you ever think about creating a second channel? You can make it for other games, board games, video games, sketches, but not sure if this would increase revenue. I have thought about the fact that I want to do role-playing games, just make another channel and going ahead with it. But the problem is, when? <laughs> with what time? <laughs> Pray tell. Like, this is a full-time job. And then I go home and I have four kids and I go to church and I have my church responsibilities and we play D&D every Tuesday night. Don't tell me to put a camera up there. That's my space. Get to play a game without... <laughs> 
having to record it. It doesn't happen very often, so don't suggest that I do that. <laughs> I just want to play something without recording the stupid thing. It's, it's nice. I love recording games, don't get me wrong, but sometimes I just want to play because I want to play and there's no other reason. <laughs> um, but I, I would love to. I just don't think we have the resources for it right now. And um, if I knew that it could make lots of money quickly, then you know that's different because then you invest in that. But uh, I feel it would be more of a drain than it would be worth, which makes me sad. Like I said right. before, I want to do role-playing stuff. But. Yeah, the second channel is always a... Because I've seen it work for people, I've seen it not. And it's... it's, it's <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, sorry. No, I'm not bored. I'm just tired. Um, and then quick fire from Miso Miso. Would you cons- will you consider a Dan Abnett Age of Sigmar narrative campaign with Cities of Sigmar, maybe with human heroes? I'm not sure what you mean by Dan Abnett Age of Sigmar narrative campaign with Cities of Sigmar. What's the difference between a Dan Abnett one and a Miles Drake one? Have you tried the Inkle Sorcery series video game? Never heard of it. Inkle Sorcery series. Inkle Sorcery? Inkle, like I-N-K-L. I'm just going to quickly write that down. I haven't even heard that word ever. Inkle. I'm just going to text myself or email myself that so I can look it up. Now you've got me interested. Bobo. Inkle. Don't autocorrect. Not innkeeper. Autocorrect wants to turn Inkle into innkeeper. Sorcery. I'm just going to look it up, but I don't want to do that right now. So no, have you read the Witcher books? No, they're really good, especially to read before the TV series. Uh, I've never played the games either. What were the most effective narrative campaigns and why do you think? You said Death Watch had the most production and effort and Yagdrin Tor was incredibly fun, but neither had the vault sense expected. Um, the most effective narrative campaign is easy. That's Augustine Station. It was the very first Death Watch campaign that we did. It's the very first campaign that we did that was a a squad-based rather than an army-based one, and it was ridiculously popular. Like, three to four times as many vault signups as our best narrative campaign before that. And I have very little idea why. Because you you could say it's partly due to the fact that it was maybe like because there was so many people involved. Dave was involved, Quirk was involved, Steve was involved, and I was the GM. Um, but we've done that again and not had the same effect. You could say that's because it was Death Watch. Okay, By far, the Death Watch series has been our most successful. It's just kind of it's 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 our um, it's our Transformers, where it's just like this keeps making money and we're not quite sure why, just because we put it? a lot of effort into other things and I, that I think are better, and they don't make as much money. And then we put out another one of these, and it's just like. Okay, I guess we're still going to keep doing those. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just part of me that's like, I like doing them, but it's just sad when you put so much effort into something else and it does mediocre, and then you quickly throw together a Death Watch one, and it does really well, and you're just like, okay. I, I tell you, I, I, think, I think that's what Michael Bay must feel about Transformers. I, at least I hope it's what he feels. I hope he doesn't think that they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that he's avoided all of the media. Right. <laughs> like, you know? And he's a smart guy, right? Yeah. Like, oh, he yeah. Knows, he knows what he's doing. And, and it's just like... He's made other films since. He's made other before. films that are better than that. And yet he just is like, oh, man, I, I need to buy another billion-dollar house. I guess we're making another Transformers movie. <laughs> Who's free? Okay, hold on. <laughs> Where's the script from the previous one? Hold on. Let's let me do a find and replace. And there we go. There's another billion dollars. 
Change the name Sam yeah. to Mike. Mike. Done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, definitely the Death Watch series has been the most successful by far. That's that's easy. Starmax. It was Starmax the one that said, hey, did you get through all the questions for the previous one? <laughs> oh. Because there was one from him. I see. I see. <laughs> but was there only one question on the site last week? Says Starmax. Totally not a That was a, a nice way of question. saying, hey, what about my question? How many games of Iron Jaws Ard Boys are currently in the backlog? Asking due to the Dragon Tooth campaign and all the times the shields in the Ard Boys was used on mortal wounds. Their War Scroll card for their shield ability only allows them to ignore normal wounds, but both not both normal and mortal wounds. Otherwise, law for life. Uh, there shouldn't be any in the backlog. Yeah, I don't think so, no. Are you sure about that? And are you sure that if it just says wounds, it doesn't include mortal wounds? I know that they specify when it's mortal wounds, but does the FAQ specify that if it doesn't say mortal wounds, that it, in, that it can't? Because if you take a wound, a mortal wound allocates a wound to you. You just don't get a save. Right. So I know yeah, is, is, do they have to specify? A lot of them do. So it makes you think that they need to. But I remember this whole discussion coming up when 8th edition came out and they had a lot of the ignoring wounds and mortal wounds. And sometimes they said ignore wounds and sometimes they said ignore damage. And it was it was bad. Um, yeah, each time you allocate a wound to a model carrying a shield on a 6, that wound is negated. But when you look at the rules for how mortal wounds are done, it's just a wound that gets allocated to them. Unless in the FAQ it then states otherwise, they're usually more careful than that. So I would I would think that you're right, but um, very quick rules errata check. Come on, for the not the general handbook, but the main rules core book errata. Nope, nope, nope. Oh no, no, there's nothing there. Great. Would be in the general's handbook? Errata? I don't think so. Nope. Yeah. See, you can make the argument that, um, and I'm going to hold up the chat here just in case you're talking about this right now. I'll double check myself as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You can make the argument, and I know that sometimes they say it ignores wounds and mortal wounds on a 6 plus, but you. Unfortunately, Games Workshop, as much as they've gotten way better at writing rules, there's still some times that they leave ambiguities. Um, and so, looking up mortal wounds in the main rules, okay, i got to find a little sidebar for mortal wounds. We know that's going to be in a sidebar. Attack characteristics. Mortal wounds. Do not make hit, wound, or save rolls. Instead, the damage inflicted on the target is equal to the number of mortal wounds that were suffered. Allocate any mortal wounds that are caused while units attack at the same time as any other wounds caused. Mortal wounds caused at other times are allocated models in the target unit as soon as they occur. After they have been allocated, a mortal wound is treated in the same manner as any other wound for all rule purposes. Okay. So you could make the argument both ways. It says after they've been allocated. And it says when you allocate a wound to a model with a shield on a six, that wound is negated. And it says after the mortal wound is allocated, it then becomes it's a normal. I think what they're trying to say there is that when he's lost those wounds, it's just those wounds that you've lost, it's just the same as any other wounds that you've lost. Oh, yeah, like you don't have to track, I've lost this many mortal wounds. Right. Yeah. So I would lean towards agreeing with you 
um, as both rules is written and rules is intended, but you could make the argument rules is written that uh, hmm. that if it just says wounds, then it includes mortal wounds. But unless you can find an FAQ somewhere, any money says there's an FAQ for some other army. Yeah, within another. Where it answers a question that should go in the main rulebook FAQ. That happened with uh, do uh, the Slanesh fight locus of diversion not fighting first the locus diversion making you fight after everything else right does that negate the iron jaws ability to when they kill something immediately pick another unit and once you, you find an faq under the corn one i believe that basically says that if there's two abilities that activate that negate then it's just the second ability when, when you activate the second ability it overrides the first one but that should be in the main rule book FAQ. That shouldn't oh, be yeah. in some corn. Yeah, you FAQ. shouldn't have to go to a battle tome to find that specific yeah. thing. So, so Star Max, I'm not sure, but any any money says there's an FAQ in one of the other battle tomes that answers that question. Because people must ask that question. Yeah, this can't be the first time. No. I or the know, first ability I know it's that does before. It. And so I think I will play it the way that you think it should be played, which is that because, but that's the problem. When I see it, oh, I allocated a wound, so I ignore it on a six. Beast of Chaos. Some of them specifically say allocate a mortal wound. Beast of Chaos as that FAQ for frightening. Yeah, for the other thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Country gaming. Any chance you playing in Steve's Warhammer Fantasy Battle Series? I already talked about that. The one for B Mauser. Want to play? I don't want to play Warhammer Fantasy. B Mauser. What happened with the Matthew plays the Forge World series? I got tired of playing the Forge World models because they suck. <laughs> it's like the first game was, look at this really cool Astartes battle tank. Oh, and you brought a Titan that costs 200 less points. And then first turn, blam! There goes my Astartes heavy battle tank. That was fun. Second game, two of my Tyranid... Uh, Herodons? Herodons. And, I, and as soon as I put them on the table, I'm like, dude, can you make a really squishy list? Because this is going to be bad otherwise. He's like, I'll, <laughs> no. he's like, I'll bring all Terminators. I'm like, done. And I still die. <laughs> oh, no. Because they're 700 points and they do nothing. Because you didn't, you, you stopped playing because you didn't like to say, hey, opponent, don't play anything Can good. you just play something <laughs> bad? Because I'm going to bring Forge. What, an, what a difference it is. When you play like 5th or 6th edition, if you brought Forge World models, you had to warn your opponent, by the way, I'm bringing a Forge World model. They're like, oh, crap, I can't beat that thing. Now it's like, dude, I'm playing a Forge World model. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all, I'll, I'll, I'll find the dustiest minute. Yeah. <laughs> What's really crap in my list? Uh, okay. The Eye of Night. I kind of like having the guest hang out with the chat. Did you have a guest hang out in the chat with Luca last week? Uh, yeah, we had Jake. Oh, okay, because he was having a game with him yep. that day. Yeah, I don't have anybody I was playing with today. Udaji. Matt, good day to you in the mini. Oh, I know we're almost over time. I'm going to do a couple more. Good day to you and the Mini Wargaming crew. I'll keep it quick and simple. More role-playing games, please. Please! I've watched Blue Collar Heresy, Shadows Beneath, and both D&D campaigns way too many times. You watched them multiple times? That's I, awesome. I had one comment that, want, that talked about watching Blue Collar Heresy three times. And he quoted a bunch <laughs> of stuff from it, so I believe him. And, wow. he's, after he, and after he finished the comment, he's like, oh man, now that I've quoted it all, I have to go back and watch it again. <laughs> I want to do another one. If I can get enough people saying that they would back a Kickstarter and we were only raised the cost of $10,000, and yes... Don't try to tell me it's not $10,000. People are like, it's bull, man. It doesn't cost that much. It Why costs it? more than that. But just if I could raise just $10,000, then I will totally do a 10 episode or a 10 or 15 episode. And I say 10 to 15 because, you know, it depends on the length of the episode. 
five days of filming essentially because I might even do them in shorter two and a half hour episodes or you know whatever make it a, I would do that but I got to get enough people interested because uh, you're looking at probably needing about at least 200 people that would be willing to back that if you're looking at average 50 bucks each probably more like 500 people average 20 bucks each that's a lot of people when you consider that um, the RPG shows that we did once you put them on YouTube would get low thousands of views so you're asking a rather large portion of the audience to be interested enough to, to, to contribute again. So and I know I, even in this chat right now, if I said, is anybody on this chat? Um, yeah, you already got a question similar to that on country, country gaming. Yeah. 10K if everyone works for free? No, saying? that is not everyone working for free. No, 10K is, that's the cost. That would everyone. actually be the cost of wages and such. Yeah. And it, like if, if it was a popular show, it would be different because then if it's popular, then we get vault signups and we continue to, like narrative campaigns um, or just regular battle reports. Like they, they get the views and the vault signups that make them worth doing. 10,000 Canadian, what is that, like 50 pence before Brexit? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> hey, you know what? You, uh, hey, Siri, convert 10,000 Canadian to British pounds. It's not going to be great. $10,000 is 5,914 okay. British pounds. 6,000 British pounds. It's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's different. That's just a conversion, right? No, of course. It's a, it's, your buying power is going to be about the same. Um, what is that, 50 pence? Yeah, it's about 6,000 pounds. Um, it's about the same American, too, about 7,000 American, whatever. That's, that's what we would need. Yeah, 10,000 Canadian. Yeah, sorry, 10,000 Canadian. But yeah. Mattleshim, would an Astro Militarum Death Watch style campaign be possible? The struggle of average Joe? Absolutely. I'm kind of writing one right now. Ooh, cool. Okay. Uh, one more question from before. Um, except that I've seen a question by Tabe. He says, enough. The live thing makes an unnecessary divide. I work during days. If you want to get more views, work nights. Uh, oh. He's complaining. If you want to know why the views on the channel in general are decreasing, because you gave up your loyal peeps for a potential quick buck from Twitch. I'm a vault member. You guys have done everything wrong over the last year and a half. P.S. Is there a refund policy? Absolutely, Tabe. There is. It's a 30-day refund policy, because we don't want to keep your money if you're not happy. But I don't know if doing a live sit and talk in Shrine of Chaos is exactly putting all of our attention on Twitch. It might be. <laughs> Might be a little early to make that call. Yeah, it's like uh, still 98% of the content we create goes on YouTube and in the vault. No, 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 but we stream about three hours of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, also, if we did it at night, then there are other time zones where people couldn't watch. Don't want to appear smug or anything, but uh, I don't know why you think that we're trying to make a quick buck from Twitch. We've been on Twitch for... It took us a very long time to even make money from Yeah, it's, it was definitely anything but quick, and it's hardly anything but a buck. <laughs> There's not much money that we've made from it, and it sure hasn't been quick. And boy, has it not taken our attention away from other stuff. Like, we did the RPG shows for a little while, but we still put up we the same number of battle reports and right, narrative ne campaigns. Never and stopped or got in the way, really, of anything else. Sorry, I, had to just, I just had to see that. I, I, I saw it on there, so... Last question. Big Mikey. Matt, has the alternating scheduling of guest employee weeks worked as well as you had thought? And are you worried about getting a backlog for narrative campaigns? Also, do you talk to other YouTube channels about what they are having success with and trading notes about content and the like? So first question, 
Um, we're still getting into that alternating schedule with the guests because even now we're still have guests who had signed up. Like you have to realize that we get guests signed up four to six months in advance. It's so longer. while we are doing guest weeks now, like next week, for example, we have a guest coming for the for, for Monday and Tuesday, and then we have eight people showing up for three days. I heard it's, that it's going to be... It's the group that comes all the time, and they know that they're most of the time not going to be able to film. Okay. That's Malik in the group. Like they've been oh, here, yeah, they've yeah, been yeah, here yeah. a few times. But it's not a guest week. But they had been signed up for months, and so we're still going to do that. And then the guest week following that won't be a full guest week because we already have enough. So it's more like the new year is when it's going to happen. But absolutely, from the little I've seen, it's relieved a lot of the pressure and allowed us to be able to get more stuff done. Is there going to be a backlog of narrative campaigns? We need a, a bit of a backlog so that you can work on other projects. So there has, that has not been a problem. Do we talk to other YouTube channels about what they're having success with and trading notes about content? Like, not really, but we do talk to them. Like, we, and we've had them here and we talk to them at events and stuff. But um, we can kind of see what they're having success with. <laughs> you just, you know, you go on their channels and see what's working. I do a lot of tracking of all the different YouTube channels and see where their trends are. That's all part of my, my number crunching. Okay, I think we're out of time here. Um, personally, I'd love to see some weekend shows. Oh, so Country Gaming. I was saying that 10K is on the low side for something like this. Seriously, if staff volunteered working for free, it would probably be about 5K or so, I would guess. Production costs, opportunity costs, etc. If you're I, that 10k doesn't include opportunity costs. That's just that's just wages. Just wages. Um, it might be not quite 10k. It might be like 9k. But when you use Kickstarter, you lose a bunch of percentages and there's other costs associated with it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think that's it. That's all I got. It's 3:20. We've gone on long enough. Thank you for your questions and for participating in today's sit and talk. I know I got quiet all of a sudden right there. I was in deep thought and contemplation. Got solemn for a moment. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming. Sorry it's over. <laughs> and don't forget, next week is Josh. So if you want to leave him some questions, then make sure once this is posted to go do that on our site or join, join him live next week on Twitch at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks for watching. Happy Wargaming.